Hey brothers, welcome to our Valor Podcast. I'm Casey McCauley, and this is our final episode in our Advent series as we focus on the Christ of Christmas at our church, in our groups, and with our families. Well, whether you're giddy like Buddy the Elf or grumpy like Scrooge, Christmas is here. We've seen the lights, the trees, and decorations in stores since September, and we knew it was approaching, but there's one sure indicator that it's near, that it's here, and that's Christmas music. You can say it's beginning to sound a lot like Christmas. In the stores, on the radio, you hear people hum it. Christmas music is everywhere. Personally, I couldn't stand Christmas music growing up, but I've grown to really enjoy it. Some start listening to it in July. Some start when they wake up from their turkey coma on Thanksgiving. The reason why I like Christmas music now is because it's taken on a whole new meaning. Growing up, I was so confused by the traditional music. Why deck the halls and jingle bells? Why would I want a hippopotamus or my two front teeth for Christmas? Can I just have my presents already? But as a believer, Christmas has taken on a whole new meaning. As Pastor Greg says, Christmas is not about buying or receiving presents but about God's presence in our lives. It's about how God has come near, about Jesus, Emmanuel, who is God with us. Now this Christmas season, along with its music, reminds us of the great truths of the incarnation, when God became a man. The incarnation is defined as the act of God, the Son, whereby he took on himself a human nature. The word literally means enfleshed. One of my favorite Christmas songs expresses this truth in a poetic way. It's called Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, written by Charles Wesley, and I encourage you to check it out. The first part of the song says, Come, thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free, from our fears and sins release us, let us find our rest in thee. I want to talk about how the long expected Jesus has come. And how because of Christ's coming, Christmas reminds us of two things, the mission of God and the commission of Christ. And all of this means that we should be ready for his second coming. The title of this podcast is A Merry and Missional Christmas, and we'll be in Luke chapter 4. I don't want to just wish you a Merry Christmas, but also a missional Christmas. In the midst of our holiday busyness and our mission of getting our Christmas checklist accomplished, we must remember the true reason for the season, the mission of God in sending Jesus, and our mission that Jesus sends us. Let's consider our first point, the mission of God, the Messiah's mission. After Jesus' baptism and 40-day temptation in the wilderness, Jesus ministers in Judea, and that's recorded in John 1-4. Then Luke records the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Galilee. Luke chapter 4, verse 14 says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out throughout all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Let's pause here, like going to a commercial for a dramatic effect. Picture it with me. Jesus returns to his hometown, where he was known by many as Mary and Joseph's son. He goes to the synagogue, the place of Jewish teaching and reading of scripture, probably with lots of memories from the past. 
But this time, it's different. In the first recorded time of Jesus teaching in a synagogue, he speaks up. Out of respect of the scriptures, he stands up to read. As familiar eyes gazed upon him, the young boy they knew was about to reveal who he truly was. He reads from the prophets. The scroll was already open, so he found the spot he wanted to read. It wasn't random. It was intentional. And he read from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 2, and 58, verse 6. He chose to read Messianic prophecy. He spoke of the Messiah's mission, his mission. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the Messiah's mission. And verse 20 continues, And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus identifies himself as the Messiah, the true prophet of Israel. Talk about a plot twist. They weren't expecting that. At first, they were in awe of his speaking ability. Verse 22 says, And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. But things, they changed so quickly, so much so that they wanted to kill him for such claims. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? Knowing they didn't believe him and that they wanted him to do a miracle to prove his claim, he said, Truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. He then cites examples of this from the ministries of Elijah and Elisha, reminding them that when Israel rejects God's prophets, God sends them elsewhere, even to the Gentiles. And in verses 28 to 30, we see the audience is filled with wrath as they try to throw him off a cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away, the scripture says. Well, that escalated quickly, didn't it? Why did they react this way? Because of who Jesus claimed to be, and because of what he declared he would do. It's the Messiah's mission. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. The time had come. The plan of salvation set forth from the council of the Trinity in eternity past. It's the focal point of Scripture's storyline. Christ's incarnation, life, death, and resurrection are at the climax of the story. It's the mission of God. The Messiah's mission was truly a rescue operation. As Galatians chapter 4 says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Like any rescue mission, Jesus was sent to help those in need. As the Messiah, Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit and was anointed and set apart for a special service. The word Christ, of course, isn't Jesus' last name. It literally means anointed or the anointed one. And what was he anointed to do? To proclaim good news, healing, liberty, and the year of the Lord's favor. Each of these tasks are connected to the four metaphors. He uses them to depict the condition of those whom, whom he is to rescue on his mission. The poor, the captive, the blind, and the oppressed. The world may view themselves to be rich, free, healthy, and self-sufficient, but God sees our true condition as sinners, that we are in need of a Savior. 
First, we see that Jesus came to proclaim good news to the poor. What's another word for good news? Gospel. The beautiful good news of the gospel of Jesus. The message that spiritually impoverished people can receive salvation. The word poor comes from a verb that means to cringe or to shrink back. This metaphor isn't used to just describe the financially poor, but rather those who are spiritually poor. The poor Jesus refers to are those who declare spiritual bankruptcy. It's what Jesus describes in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why are they blessed? Because sinful beggars can become children of God and heirs of Christ. How does this happen? Because of his grace. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. As Pastor Greg reminds us, the story of Christmas is not a rags to riches story, but rather a riches to rags story. Church, we have good news. We are the people of good news. Every present you open, every present you give this Christmas is a reminder of the greatest gift of all, the good news of Jesus. As Linus the theologian says, and that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Next, we see that Jesus was sent to proclaim liberty to the captives. Jesus came to set people free, to free sinners from their spiritual bondage to sin and Satan. Isaiah chapter 42 verse 7 states that the Messiah would bring out the prisoners from the dungeon and from the prison those who sit in darkness. We are captives to sin and need liberation. Insert the Messiah. How does this freedom and deliverance occur? It's through Christ's crucifixion. Romans chapter 6 verse 6 says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Brothers, be reminded this Christmas that Jesus came to proclaim liberty to the captives. And he said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so this message continues. Next, it says that Jesus was sent to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind. Because of sin, all of humanity is spiritually blind, meaning that they can't see the truth of who God is. Paul says that Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. But Jesus came to open the eyes of the spiritually blind. He says, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This brings a fresh perspective on Christ's coming on that silent night. Silent night, holy night, Son of God loves pure light. Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. The same God who spoke light into creation has opened our eyes and our hearts. As 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Brothers, we can see because Jesus is the light. Let the sights and the lights of Christmas remind you of this truth. Next, we see that Jesus was sent to proclaim liberty to the oppressed. The liberty Jesus refers to is freedom from spiritual oppression for those who are oppressed by life's overwhelming circumstances. This is the message we need at Christmas. 
As we live in a broken world with a lot of fear and hurt and pain, people searching for answers and hope, but in all of the wrong places. But there is an answer. We live in a weary world because of the weight and burden of sin, but there is life and liberty in Jesus. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The recognition of sin's oppression leads us to liberation. There's comfort in Christ the Messiah who said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You can buy a lot of great presents this year, but you know what? You can't buy rest for your soul. Only Jesus can do that. Jesus liberates the oppressed and the weary world rejoices. And finally, the Messiah was anointed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus proclaimed the year of the Lord's favor by bringing about the long-awaited promise of the day of salvation and the year of redemption that the Old Testament prophets described. Barnes' commentary states, It's possible that this is even a reference to the Old Testament law of the year of Jubilee in Leviticus 25, which was every 50th year when the trumpet was blown, and through the whole land proclamation was made of the liberty of Hebrew slaves, the remission of debts, and the restoration of possessions to their original families. The phrase, the acceptable year, means the time when it would be acceptable to God to proclaim such a message. This was the time when God is willing to accept people to receive sinners coming to him. You see, the fullness of time had come. The long-expected Jesus had come, and he was on a mission. He came to give the good news of salvation to the spiritually poor, to liberate enslaved sinners, to give sight to the spiritually blind, and to free the oppressed. In other words, he came to save you. He came to save me. He came to save us, his people. Truly, this is good news. Christmas should remind us of this mission, but it should also remind us of our mission, which is to deliver this news. Our second point is the commission of Christ, that Jesus was sent to send. You see, our God is a God who sends. Luke chapter 4 verse 43 says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose, Jesus says. Jesus completed his earthly mission. He came, he saw, died and rose again, and he conquered. Having lived in perfect obedience to God's will, at the end of his life, Jesus said to the Father in John 17, 4, I've glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Mission accomplished. But wait, there's more. His mission continues through us. He ascended to the right hand of the Father and rules and reigns as he calls us to be witnesses of this truth. The Savior was sent on a mission, and now the Savior sends us on a mission. In John 17, 18, when Jesus prayed for his disciples in his high priestly prayer to the Father, Jesus says, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. After his resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples and said in John 20, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. These aren't the most common Christmas verses. You won't find them on cards or on decorations, but they reveal Christ's mission just as much as other verses. The Savior came, and his message of salvation is for everyone. It's the acceptable time. Acts 1.8 tells us that Jesus has called us to be his witnesses, and the message has spread from Jerusalem 
all the way here to SoCal. And we continue this gospel mission. The Father sent Jesus as the Messiah, and now Jesus sends us as messengers. We have our marching orders in the Great Commission. The message of Christmas is that the long-expected Jesus has come, and his message to us is go. As our Advent devotions encourage us, Jesus is coming again. So what are we to do in light of the fact that Christ is coming again? We are to be watching for him. We are to be ready to go. We should not only be ready for his return, but we should anxiously await it. And we're not only to be waiting, but we are also to be working. This is to labor in the fields of his harvest, to exalt God upward, to encourage each other inward, to evangelize the world outward. Christmas provides us with many gospel opportunities. Let's pray for them in our individual lives and pray for our church as we preach the gospel. In closing, during this Christmas season, consider how the Father sent the Son and how the Son has sent us. The Father sent Jesus as Messiah, and now Jesus sends us as messengers. Truly, Christmas is about the mission of God and the commission of Christ, His first coming and His second coming. May you have a merry and a missional Christmas.